0: Good morning, this is Talking Devils, the leading independent Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined by Manchester United legend, Paul Parker. If you're watching live on YouTube or Facebook, feel free to get your questions and your comments in. If you're watching the replay, say hello, feel free to comment. We do reply. If you're listening back on the audio podcast, please be sure to subscribe, leave a review on the platform you're listening on. Um, Paul, how are you doing? You alright?
1: Yeah, I'm fine, thank you very much, Wayne.
0: Good. Good. Um uh, a bit of a weird podcast this week. Obviously, we're gonna talk about the sixty-fifth anniversary of Munich in a in a little while, but we've got to start off talking about Crystal Palace and Manchester United win two one. Very eventful game. Um very weird game in terms of like the atmosphere got quite ugly in it. Um more intense than what I'm normally used to seeing, and obviously that had something to do with the, the refereeing decisions as well. Um before we get started, brent says, good morning. Good morning, Ben. hope you're well. Um, yeah, United win 2-1. They score an early penalty. Bruno Fernandes, I don't think there's any doubt with the penalty. The guy's got his arms out. Um, and then I think what happens, um, what you normally get when, because I mean, there was a big delay as well, maybe like two or three minutes between the award and the penalty being, you know, the penalty actually being taken and scored. So you've got like that long delay. The only good thing is that, VAR in Old Trafford seems to finally have the announcements because, like, for the, the last sort of four or five decisions that they've had with VAR, they haven't actually told us, like, they, they were even checking it. Um, but they did that. It took about two or three minutes. Then, uh, obviously, he scores and the game's kind of flat because it's like, what do United do for us? I mean, you just see it in games of football, really. But, you know, it's one of those age old problems. Palace sort of sniff that they could get back into it. Um Tenog makes a couple of changes where he brings on um Garnacho. Garnacho does really well helping show set up Rashford for the goal. In fact, that's a, that's a fantastic team goal. And you think game over? United you know, can see the game out, you know, they <laughs> you in know, the level of comfort that they kind of need at this moment in time. But then there's a melee started on the sideline. Um, Anthony's thrown into the advertise, well, barged into the advertising board, and it starts like this massive sort of riot between the players. It looks like you know, Anthony and some antagonist, but even if Anthony's the antagonist or whoever nudged him into the, the boards, they're going to get yellow cards. The referee goes and checks VAR again and he sends off Casemiro. Um, United then. Uh, pretty lucky to hold on for a two-one win because Palace throw on um, very tall forwards. They absolutely ball Palace do pull a goal back, but United hold on to win two-one. And in fact, towards the like last two or three minutes of injury time, they're quite comfortable. Um, you know, they're pushed up and attacking in the left and holding on, uh, holding on onto the ball in in that area. Um, we'll talk about Casemiro on the red card in a moment, Paul, but all in all, United probably worthy of the win.
1: Yeah, I think you have to look. Sometimes you you know that United are on a tough schedule and everything's ain't going to be great and rosy in a situation. Sometimes the game against Palace, as they can be party poopers when they travel away from home to the big boys and so you just take it. It's as simple as that yeah. and you, just, you grab hold of it and there is going to be that moment. Um, they're always, players have got that bit about them that, they, you know, they can sometimes go and nick something. So, um, so I think we're going to have to, have to say, really, you call that, a, you know, a good three points more than anything, really. Let's mm-hmm. say you look at it, sees it come out and, you know, and say, should have done better against them. But, you know, if it means you don't, you don't get, you know, a great performance in a game like that, and you look at the situation, you, you just take, you know, you t- you take the win, you take the win and you look at it and say, did you justify winning the game? I think we have to say United did justify it. Did they play well? No, not really. But, you know, they got they got through it.
0: A nice goal as well to win it from Rashford.
1: Yeah, I mean, to be honest, everyone, like you just you just said as you were talking now, that one goes in, you thought, you know, the game was won, but, it, you know, it wasn't won at that point. But yes, it, it certainly made the difference. But, if you know, you end up the way that Palace went about it, the squirmish kind of got them going a bit. It kind of, you know, the fans maybe got caught up in that as well. Maybe didn't really go as what they normally do to keep, the, you know, to keep the team going. And they lost their way, lost lost their, well, you say Palace played it quite well. They caused a squirmish like that, takes everyone's mind away from things. And all of a sudden you lose that momentum and that's what United done.
0: I think uh, from, my, uh, Ben says, I'm glad we don't have to play Palace again and absolutely because I think it was getting a bit nasty at the end. And I think, I don't think Andrea Marina helped it, to be honest. I, you know, I think he, he was confused over the penalty. He obviously missed the penalty the first time round, which, all right, that happens. But he seems to, um, moving on from the Casemiro thing, no, we, I'm not saying we're moving on. We're going to talk about it. But, I mean, after that decision, he seemed to comp- not lose the plot, but he didn't seem to have control of the game. At one point, he elbowed Fernandez in the head and didn't stop play. He must have known that his elbow hit Fernandez on the head. Do you know? I'm not... You know, Fernandez is quite theatric and he did get up, uh, but but he should have stopped play because he's elbowed the player in the head. He's, got a, he's noticed that's an head injury. There was a, a point where Sabitza um, on for his debut, makes a magnificent tackle, United are through, and he he started blows for a foul. Um, and there are a couple of decisions like that. He was just thing, but it all stemmed back to the um thing. And do you know what? You can you can forgive some referees because when there is a melee, when it all kicks off, it is difficult to um to sort of know exactly what's gone on. The problem is, he's gone and looked at that video, and we've all seen the thing is. It's one thing him going to look at the video, but we've all seen the video of what he looks at, and he looks at the, the worst three seconds, and he doesn't even consider the full context. He doesn't look at the full incident. He doesn't look at the full... Uh, he doesn't watch it all, all pan out. He looks at the worst three... Well, he looks at a specific three seconds that paint Casemiro not in the best light. He doesn't even watch that... He doesn't watch that altercation completely unfold. He doesn't watch how it ends, and he, he sends Casemiro off... Um, and he's going to be banned for three games. United run the risk of a frivolous appeal, which would make it four games, and that would make him um, an absentee for the calling, uh, calling Cup, the Carabao Cup final against Newcastle, which obviously United are probably apprehensive to do. Um, it's a bit of a, you know, even though yeah, you or I might think you know it's a, a fair chance of winning that appeal. The, how much do you trust the appeal process, it's, it's one of those things I mean, talk me through what you thought of that decision, because I, I would say at the time obviously he didn't know what went on, and then watching it afterwards, it's like, oh my God, how was he being sent off for that
1: Well, yeah, I'll take the latter there exactly the, exactly the same, and he, he, his mind was, it wasn't, I don't think it was about him making his own mind up, I think he was told, he was showing what was needed to show to prove the point of whoever it was who was made the decision, he needs to be sent off because there's the situation with Fred, um, with IU. That was that was proper aggressive, with um, something like that. The time it went on, you pick out one red shirt and you send them off. When in theory he was he was holding the shirt, it wasn't an aggressive ran the neck aggressive. You can see him afterwards that it was just a case of him pulling him away. Casimir, Casimir's character. Doesn't show any aggression at all when he plays on his face or anything like that. And sometimes you have to look at people. And he hasn't done that. And how can you pick out him, as said by Ten Hag, and only pick out the one player? It doesn't make sense. So I think there's a case in point with the Fred situation. For the argument is to look at that and look at that. It's both of them or none of them. Make your mind up what... Who's the peep, Who are these people who are in their little broom cupboard, as I call it, near Heathrow? Why have they gone to him and not gone to IU? Just to, for his one, because that was serious aggression. And I see, I've seen IU playing a lot, a lot of times, and he is like that. He is quite aggressive the play. He, he's faced things, ain't going his way. He, he does get that way. Um, yeah. So I just, it was just a strange one, and I think there's a point to go and do it because. I think him the three the three games he's going to miss. As much as you're talking about a final, you're talking about you know you're talking about Premier League games, Wayne. And it's important for me. They're in a great position, United, to get really stable in that pack of four. Yes. And something like this, which is minimal, can you know it wasn't a two for. I'll tell you what. He's sending off. Um, oh, I'm sorry. He's second yellow in that game, um, the what game was it? i the Palace game. The yellow that, that he one, got, yeah. yeah, yeah. So the yellow he got, the challenge he made, which could have been deemed the red card challenge because yeah. both feet were up, was worse than that. Oh, oh absolutely. 100%. Yeah. So I, I don't see you talking about say, oh, it could be an extra game and miss the League Cup final. League Cup final, you know, you know, great for him to be first season in, in, you know, in the UK to play in the final. It'd be great, but I think the three games are important and you want your key players. I really do think they should go for it because there's enough argument there to say why was he sent off when he was more about him trying to control a player and pull him away. Yeah. You know, that's well, me, yeah. but but it got obviously lawyers and you like you just mentioned at the end there again, Wayne, is that you don't know who's gonna be sitting there to make that decision because I, I still say and it's a and it is that way, in the way that life is. It's a boys' club, yeah. And that it's a boys' club. And they all—they'll all protect each other. And Andre Mariner made a massive, massive mistake, and and just during—and just during that game, like you say, the way he—he he had no control of it. And sometimes, I think, as a referee, after so long, you—you can't—it it goes. And I think Andre mariner is in that position now where he might—he he might just have to. Step down from where in the situation is at that level of football.
0: Yeah, well, Ben says to play devil's advocate, the angle we get on TV for most decisions, unless VAR is involved, isn't usually the same angle the ref has, and that that is fair. But I also think that then you've got to use whatever footage is available to as, to see the full process play out because I, I think obviously there's a second angle that we've seen that, that's gone viral that from a fan in the stands where they're behind it and you can sort of see from the start of it, that what Casemiro's actually doing, he hasn't actually got his hands around his neck, he's got him on his collar, and what he's actually Mm. doing, there's the momentum of the situation where he's kind of like, we know what Old Trafford slopes on the pitch, he's kind of holding him, making sure that he doesn't fall down, he's actually helping him out, and at the end, they give each other a hug. Will Hughes turns around after Casemiro gets sent off, puts five six fingers up to the, the crowd, and he's trying to inflame an already sort of nonsense situation, making it needlessly worse. You know, all right, getting some needle like that doesn't really matter. He's a Liverpool fan, then fair enough. But I think like you've been helped out and that's the sort of nonsense that I don't get. Like players are supposed to be standing up for each other in that kind of situation because it's the system. It's the system of the decision-making that's the problem. That player's actually helped you out there you know, yeah, all right. The initial act of where he's got his hands <laughs> on your neck, but that was necessary to be able to pull you up. Otherwise, you would have fell back. Um, I don't, And then it ends with a cuddle. You know, the end yeah. with a cuddle. You
1: can see that he's he's absolutely fine. And Will I, Hughes's face, Will yeah. Hughes's face, was not somebody who was being strangled because you could. If someone's doing that round the throat, you are going to panic and you're going to maybe. Yeah do something silly, you might swing an arm. He he saw, he had it round him, but he wasn't in that kind of way. You look at Fred's face, when we buy you, and it's not a good look. Yeah. But you can see Fred is like, kind of, you know, react, you know, he could have reacted at any time, if someone had done that to him, or was yeah. doing it to him, and he could have swung an arm or something, so, that one for me is wrong. I, I haven't heard anything mentions ifs and buts and maybes, whether or not they're going to, um, contest it, but, I think it's there it's the wrong decision, and you've got to take every opportunity to take them to task at this moment in time and and I say it again, I have said it a thousand times. They need help mm. in now. they need help because and I use the words again, it's a boys club boys club mm. thing in now it's a fact of life. it can't be helped, and now you might just need someone in now. Just to spice it up and look more indep- get more independent there again. An ex-player, and then you might have to keep changing that player to get different things because we do fall, we do get that way. We we do suddenly get favouritism. We do sometimes not like somebody. Something someone's done is rated, has made you irate. So you decide that you're not going to give them anything anymore. Yeah. And I, and that's all going on. It's, it happens. You can't say it doesn't happen because it's human nature. Mm. so it has you know it has so some that that's that that is why that's come about as far as I'm concerned it was totally wrong but they yeah. went and done that
0: i i you know what i find funny is that they used to say about the stuff that casemiro does although i don't see him as a sort of cynical player in the way that Fern, fernandinho was because I, you know people would sort of credit fernandinho for the tactical fouls and stuff like that casemiro's too good for that like he 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 wins tackles but i think there's been the kind of narrative yeah, all right, the the tackle at Palace was bad, and it, I, I happen to agree there's a decent shout for him to be sent off there. But he's not an aggressive player in that he goes out to work someone. He's normally good, but I think there's probably been that narrative of trying to paint him like that, and that was probably in Mariner's mind when he goes to send him off, which is it's just ridiculous. I, I, but I go back to the point that I make about the appeals panel. They're probably going to be looking at that saying their, their response probably would be along the lines of two rungs don't make a right. So it doesn't matter about the Fred incident. That's The referee missed that. It's all about, you know, was he wrong to send Casemiro no, off? But, and look, I, what, I, Wayne,
1: I, but, Wayne, the thing is now that we now open a door now for what's been seen previous can be, can be brought back and looked at. Yeah. The door's because of VAR that now. So it doesn't make any difference. They can go back, look at that, and they can tell him he made a mistake. And you watched him, well, you watch his manner when it was all going on. I, didn't, I don't mean get involved in it. Don't go in there and start. The assistant referee seemed like he was involved, but I think he was, he was more panicking about being knocked further down the slope. But he should have just gone around a little bit and just, just had a look, just make out as if he was about and he was doing his job because he just stood back there and it was kind of, oh, that's doing that. If you could see his face, it's like he just switched off. Kind of virtually saying, oh, it's all right. We've got people in the studio who can watch all that for me. i let them get on with it and make a decision, and i just do it. Yes. And that's what the problem is. VAR is taking away that zest from referees. They're not not—they're not sharp anymore because they know there's something that's going to back them up. And, again, that's human nature. It's, yes. You've got something there that is kind of stop, allowing you maybe not to go 100% to go and do something because someone's going to – Going to make up the difference in what in what you've missed and not done properly. You're going to go and grab it, and mm. I think that's I think that's what he's gone and done now. And there's a lot of referee doing it now. And I saw one the other day when there was a foul and the referee hadn't seen it, and then all of a sudden the referee the ghost character the referee blew his whistle and he's given the foul, and it wasn't because he allowed play on because it went the other way. It's because someone told him in his ear. There was a foul there. So I know that that is going on. I don't know if that's right or wrong. But in certain ways, it's quite good. In other ways, it's quite wrong. But they are there's people still in their ear talking, oh, that's a foul. And they might have been just saying it because they're watching the game. Like sometimes when I'm commentating, I sometimes get involved in the game and I kind of get kind of, oh, whatever, I forget. So I think these people, because they forget maybe i switch it off whatever, oh, that's a foul. And the referee goes, oh, OK, bang.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. Rather than making their own mind up and saying, God, I missed that, I've got to carry on now. I'll, hopefully this will, still can, This ain't going to mug me off. This is yeah. going to come out the good boy. But they but they do that and they make it all straight away. You go, someone's talking their ear. Someone's is helping them out do their job. In certain ways, that's quite good. But in a lot of ways, it could come back and bite them.
0: Yeah, like Ben says, um, exactly, Paul, VAR well, should be a referee aid. The way it's been implemented has made it an extra referee, and it's also like the the weird sort of um, ambiguity over things. Like, was it Clattenburg or Webb came out and said, but well, on like Friday, like actually came out and said, "Oh, well, we've changed the interpretation. So if Rashford scored that goal against City, this like if he scored the same goal this week, uh, Bruno scores the same goal this weekend, then it's not going to count." Do you know what I mean? So they've already have said all oh, the interpretation of that's wrong so they in like you know yeah in theory on the principle of it i agree with you in terms of saying we should appeal it because you need to make a stand on that it's at least to to let a full incident be played out so you can see from start to finish what it actually looks like and, and maybe get a different angle of it but I just feel with United's luck with that kind of thing um, and how, how key is you know that I, I, I don't have any trust in the appeals process for that um, well a couple of comments in Robbie says happy heavenly birthday to his uncle Desi Byrne a he moved to Manchester from Dublin in 63, travelled everywhere to see United and put many a lad up from Dublin when heading over for a match to Old Trafford, yeah there were many stories of that from lads from Ireland who travelled over um, and uh, Robbie also says, thanks for your thread on the BuzzFeed. No, um, really appreciate that, Robbie. Uh, we'll be talking about Munich in a moment. Uh, but the talk, first of all, oh, hang on, Ben does say about Casemiro, one last point, it is risky. We should be able to beat Leeds and Leicester without him on paper anyway. I mean, that's the thing, right? It's not just Casemiro, it's Casemiro and Eriksen and, and both of them out of the side. Um, it does make relatively... I'm not going to say straightforward wins against Leeds and Leicester. I don't mean that, but games that are more comfortable than Manchester City at home, for example, it does throw it into the chaos theory because let's be frank about it. You know, United's midfield, even though that did all right on, on Saturday, it's a bit of a risk and, um, I mean, is that where you're coming from when you're saying the appeal? You've got to you've got to really say, like, disregard this on paper theory. You've got to really go for it and, and and put that appeal in to make sure that, well, to do everything that we can to get him available.
1: I, I think so. I think it's worth it. I mean, put, you know, all of a sudden you say oh, it's about, you know, League Cup. And yes, it is important, I think, for the club, for Ten Hag and for a lot of those players. To be involved, the opportunity to some of them to win their first trophy, and I think they need it, and understand that yes, they've won that trophy. Then it's important about then going to get the next trophy, and they need to understand to get that, to get that, that back, that kind of feeling that when you play for Manchester United, it is about winning games of football and winning trophies, not just as it had been previous. Well, I've, I've got a Manchester United tracksuit and walk around and say, look at me, look at me, and you haven't done anything. And there's a lot of players like that at United who haven't done anything, haven't achieved anything, but still, but were still walking around as if like playing for United was was enough. It's only enough when you've actually won trophies. Because people mm. won't be interested in in you as a person if you haven't won trophies at Manchester United during your tenure, your time, sorry. So yes, the League Cup's important, but I think, as you said there, Ericsson and Casemiro make out for, you know, those for three games to get, you know, that, you know, because they've both been integral yeah. in everything that since Ten Hag's been there. So you can't just turn around and, in my opinion, give that up so easy. Yes, there's a signing on loan who's coming on loan and look very good when he come on. Yeah. But it's about, is he going to be out? Is it is the play him playing with Fred going to exactly. work for three yeah. games? We, we don't know. I don't believe it would work with McTominay, not at all. And I think a lot of fans now would would totally agree with that. Now that that partnership isn't isn't going to work. So you're looking really at, you're looking at Fred and you know to come in there and then to, him to play three games, you know in that in that kind of well you can't do a Casemiro role. So um, it's, it's I think I think it's something worth you know just because you look at the games they're. they're they are winnable games. They're games that you they need at this time, given over this period as well. And you win those three games, and it makes it. You know, you know, t- It's important three games yeah. to stay to stay in the hunt or to pull away, pull away in that pack of four to get a bit of security underneath.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. Like, yeah, three games it might not seem like a lot in isolation, but it is like for the momentum of this season, particularly at this moment with Arsenal having the little wobble in the weekend that United have had. Um, you never know what position they could be if it, if they win those three games. Um, yeah, and it might be the making of some of those players. Um, just one last comment on, um, on Casemiro. we got a comment in. The, the problem with VAR, says T2 the Izzo, um, is that the ref never changes his mind after being called to the screen. Someone in a shed decided that Casemiro should walk. Yep. Um, We'll come on to the the games against Leeds then. Um, strange because we're going to be playing them, <clears throat> um, playing them back to so back. Because obviously the the home games rescheduled from when the Queen passed away earlier in the season. So we've got Leeds back to back games. I mean, you had something similar back in ninety one, ninety two, where it was just Leeds all the time. And I, I know from what we've talked about previously, where you've kind of said we well, the two. You, you look a bit confused there, Paul. The the cup games that we were playing at Elland Road all the time.
1: Yeah, I mean, we, didn't we play them three times in 10 days? Yeah. Like
0: yeah. 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 I, I, but when we've talked previously, we've kind of said, like, the leads are the kind of team that you want to play once in a while because you never look forward to playing them again or playing in front of their fans. Mm. So, um, and not because they're, like, particularly atmospheric or anything like that, just because it's bitter and a bit horrible. Um, and not precisely what United need after a bitter end to the way that the game finished on Saturday. Um, I what do you reckon? These it's, it's I, I, they lost yesterday, Forest. From what I actually saw the game, I saw the first half hour, they they played quite well. They you know, like I don't think they deserve to be behind, but they were behind. They forced um the Kilo Navas into a few saves, not, not all of the magnificent saves, they just forced him into a few. Um, it does. It is it a good thing that United are getting them back to back when when they're on a p- bit of a poor run.
1: In certain ways, yeah, I would I would go with that, Wayne. To be perfectly honest, but <clears throat> again, leagues. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. There was unlucky, but <laughs> there's been many a many a team got relegated from being unlucky. Many, yeah. many a team, and um, <clears throat> it just seems that way. What? Then they started so well, and then they conceded. A goal, a goal out of nothing, and then we didn't. See, then we didn't see Dave Johnson's boy Brendan again. That was him out of the game, disappeared. You know, he's walked aw- walked away with the honour of scoring the goal, but he disappeared, totally out of the game. Leeds were the better team throughout, but they lack. They've got nothing at the top end, nothing at the top end at all. Want to play football all the time, everywhere they. You know, and you can catch them out so many times because they overplay um, the lads' strike. Is it strike? Playing yeah. on the left, playing on the left side, he, Leeds fans have been moaning about him for weeks, and the manager's still playing him. He, you know, just so many mistakes. Everything that happens happens on his side, his area. He, you know, he is, he's a calamity without a shadow of doubt. So, they, but those Leeds players will lift themselves. The home game, going go there. The Leeds players will lift because they have to, because otherwise they won't be accepted by their own fans. And as we know, it's a massive game for Leeds, and that's what yeah. it's all about. It's it's a big game for Leeds. They'll come to Old Trafford, and it's a diff, it's a different it's a different kind of game. Yes, it, we you know it's seen as a big game, maybe because of Old Trafford, because you know what the grief and what some of the United fans have to put up with when they go there. But to Leeds, it's their be all and end an end all. It's their, you know it's the one that they waited for for so many seasons. To mm-hmm. play after being out of the Premier League, and and I'm quite sure there's a lot of league fans that don't want this game because generally, as they know now since they've been back in the Premier League, it's not the game they look forward to because all they do is concede goals and not score any. Mm-hmm. So on that side of it, it's a great it's a, it's a great doubleheader I think at this moment for United, and it's it's one that you're going to go into where you know that a lot of the players are going to be lifted for it, especially when they go to Wembley Road and hear the hate see the hate, feel the hate. I think I think I can say that as well. Yeah. And I never witnessed anything like that until I went there. I thought, you know, I think I said this before, I think, and I say it quite a bit because it's a fact, I got more abuse from playing for Manchester United at Ellen Road than what I did from being black. And it wasn't nice when going there when I played there for Fulham and for QPR, but I never realised it, how nasty and volatile that game, and vile that game was at Ellum Road until I went there in a United shirt. It yeah. was an, incredible.
0: Well, you know, United, uh, if we are to be with Cas- without Casemiro and Ericsson, the one thing I will say is that at least we won both games without them against Leeds last season. So, we'll, we'll see. Mm. Um, but we back to talk about those games for sure we'll, we have to talk about munich obviously it's a 65 65th anniversary of it today um the, when it's the big landmark years i always feel like it's more not important it's always important but it's like because it's a, an anniversary and you think with every sort of six uh, five years that passes then it's kind of like you know more people have passed in that meantime, and you know, who survived, and there's only really, I think there's only Bobby Charlton who survived from Munich who's still alive now. I know that one of the air stewardesses is, is still there, but, I mean, I, I, it's always a sort of soberingly emotional day for United supporters. You you came into United not as a youth player, you were someone who was signed from the outside, so you were a senior pro, well many years in the game, played at Old Trafford many times before you actually... um represented the club so how did munich affect you as a united player how, how long after joining the club did you start to feel what what it meant to the club
1: i mean it was it was mentioned quite early <clears throat> obviously i you know i knew i knew about it but I, I never knew how strong you know how strong it was at the club until actually until I was actually playing for them it was always mentioned there was always something that there was always a relationship Something that would bring it on and it'd be talked about. But that first time playing, <clears throat> playing when it was there, when in you know in February my first, you know I think that would have been '92. Yeah. When I arrived, then you, you could feel it. You knew that it was something there that was always is always going to be there. Was remembered. Everybody, you know, you could just see everyone. It put everyone on the low. To be perfectly honest, and the thing that you you wanted you wanted to give, you wanted to lift it by a performance on the pitch and and that's what it and that's what it was all about really it just to make sure that you delivered on the pitch and it was important for those lads to get through that at the weekend as well yeah. you know after what's going on so you know that all those little things play a part and and it's, it's just as difficult for coming out and imagine as a what as an away player as well at that moment to play in, in those circumstances as well with you know Six, you know, sixty-five, seventy thousand odd people who are mourning. You know, maybe Manchester, one of Manchester United's greatest ever teams. Yeah. You know, all but you know, being lost in that fashion. So, you know, it was it was tough times as a player, and it's still something now. Which, when it does come around, because it, it, you know, it does always fall on like my, you know, my best mate's birthday as well. So, I definitely won't 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 forget that. You know what that day means as well.
0: It's one thing, um, witnessing it from the stands. The second thing is actually playing in it, and that's why I'm lucky to talk to you about this. I remember, um, you know, Ten Hag said about Rashford's goal that it was good that we played in that Busby spirit, you know, like that it was movement, it was good passing, and, and we score a nice goal, and it's from an academy player, so it's nice to score like that. I'm sure there's plenty of people who will be watching or listening to this poll who will remember the atmosphere after, and it's not attached to the Munich disaster, but the atmosphere after Sir Matt died, and we played against Everton, and it was so surreal. And afterwards, there was kind of like the responsibility that we had to go out and put on a show. Um, I, you know, you have that responsibility anyway playing for the club. You know, you've got to go out there and play well. Does it how does that change when it is an event like that is it like so sort of like you know yeah you've got to win a game of football in the league program but it, is it like almost like an extra emphasis it's like we've got to play well here we've got to play entertaining football
1: Yeah I mean this is when you play for Manchester United that's the way it is anyway but when you have got a manager as well who demands or sorry who demanded that you entertain yes he definitely demanded that you win but he demanded that you entertained as well the boss just wasn't about go you know going through them just get a win that's 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 important he wanted a performance and he uses he used to use the word that perfected manchester united
0: yeah
1: you know many a time he used that word when we hadn't you know and you know we paid for it but on you know the game you're talking about one of them was like everton and everton arrived there um and, and that moment um in a situation as well. And I, I think it was a that kind of time. And it was a tough moment for them as well as players. And it was players talk about it after they talk about it, about that playing, And they don't, they don't feel they can go a hundred percent because they feel as if they're, you know, treading on the wrong turf, they shouldn't be there. You know, United should play against United that day. They yeah. should maybe change it to just have a have a friendly game that day. That have the weekend off. I think the way it is, yeah. but um, it it was difficult, seriously difficult for the players because you know, and Ten Hag again is saying things, and I don't know whether the boss has whispered in his ear, but he seems to be like the he seems to be working off a similar template to the way the boss was about most things mm. and the way he manages. And I'll say it again: he's the first manager that Manchester I ever have had since twenty thirteen. And that's proven a point by the way that United are performing and the way he's conducting himself as well. And he's taken everything on board about the club. And I've seen other managers do that because it's there, but I can see it more. But he actually, he's genuine about it as well. It's there. He's, you know, he's grabbed it straight away. And just by the way, the boss is. And it'd be interesting if the boss was the same way we, when he first around. But, you know, two things that we all knew that, what, you know about when you played for Manchester United is you, you didn't disrespect the club, and you certainly didn't disrespect your teammates. Yeah. You know, and they're, they're important they're important things.
0: Yeah. Um, so yeah, obviously it's the 65th anniversary. There are so many different stories to Munich that uh, attached to Munich, which are you know the harrowing. They're inspiring in a certain way. I mean, obviously you've got the passing of the players: Jeff Ben, Roger Byrne, Eddie Coleman, Duncan Edwards, Mark Jones, David Pegg, Tommy Taylor, Bill Whelan. You've got the staff: Tom Curry, Walter Kriekma, and Bert Wally, I mean, even Walter Kriekma. Learn about the history that he had with the club, how important he was to setting up the um, setting up the youth system at the club, and you know how long he worked for the club. You've got Willie Satinoff, the support who travelled, who was probably about to be appointed to the board. All the the players who, who succeeded, the, the players who had to come into the side afterwards, the players who didn't play again, but, you know, Jackie Blanchflower, you know, um, Johnny Berry, the players who, you know, who had this incredible weight on them, like Kenny Morgans, who just weren't able to uh, perform to the standard, which, you know, because they were... They had such liberation and freedom before the disaster and they were still haunted by it afterwards. Um, players like Harry Gregg, you know, his heroism on the day, um, you know, even that is just a complete story in itself, the things that those players went through. Matt Busby being read The Last, last Writers twice and um, surviving. Jimmy Murphy going to visit him. And deciding that he was going to pull the club out of that wreckage and continue to compete in the same manner in which the way the comp- the club had competed before then the passing of duncan edwards which came two two weeks after the disaster and and plunged the the club into a whole different sort of thread of mourning and then the players who came after you know the likes of alex dawson and mark pearson who had to come in and miss an important part of their development to come into the first team and the weight of responsibility that those players carried for the next two or three years that basically sacrificing a career at the top just to, to stand in for that two or three years i mean those players never won medals and they deserve something much greater than that because what they put in for the club um it's just so in, an incredible moment in united's history that in terms of like the the, the size of it I'm, I'm talking about, in terms of it being incredible, that you have to stop every year, but especially on the landmark years, because I think we you, you go like five or ten years, and then there are these number of people who pass in the... It's almost like many generations of people who've passed away and many generations of people who've been introduced to it. It's more important with that passing block of time that... The younger generation are educated about what those players stood for, and I mean, you were lucky enough, Paul, um, to have rubbed shoulders with many of the survivors. You would have met so many of them. You know, you would have known the kind of character that they had and the kind of humility they, that they showed. And, and you know, Bill Fokes and Bobby Charlton won European Cups ten years after the disaster. You know what I mean? That kind of responsibility. Obviously, a complete generation has passed since then. To make that alien for today's players you know that they don't have i'm not i'm not criticizing that's just what time time gives like you know it's i don't know it's it's almost like it's it's an incredible psychological kind of dilemma is it a burden is it an inspiration i mean i just ask you before we close off paul is it a burden does it feel like a burden does it feel like an inspiration when you're pulling pulling on that shirt knowing what you know what those players so it's not sacrificed because it, it wasn't a sacrifice, but what those players went through and, and what they gave, does it make it more of a burden or does it make it more of a, a privilege?
1: I want to use. I'm going to turn around and say <clears throat> a privilege. To be perfectly honest, to, to actually play, and then it's even more of a privilege. The fact of you can go there and you can achieve as well when you're there, and if you go and achieve, that makes it even better because then you know that you've done. You know you've done it right. You've. You know you've. You've earned your stripes by being involved in something successful with a club. The club's always going to be, you know, be in that in, seen in that light. But the light gets even brighter every time they go and win a trophy. It's as yeah. simple as that, and it's about keeping that light going. And that's why there's an opportunity, definitely on two counts, to go and win a trophy. Yeah. I just think I think it's got to got to be grabbed.
0: Yeah. His, um a couple of comments to close on. Robbie says, I think we found a gem in Ten Hog. And Ben says, you can tell he's immersing himself in Manchester United. It's not just for a photo opportunity or because he's been asked to do it. Absolutely. And I think that's a nice sort of way to end the podcasting, sort of knowing, acknowledging that about Ten Hog is that it's not um, a gimmick for him. You can tell that it really is something that's important to him and that he's, he has, as Ben said, immersed himself in it. Um, That's it for this week, guys. We'll be back next week to talk about the the games against Leeds. That should be an eventful double-header, to say the least. If you're watching live on YouTube, um, feel free to like the video and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. And if you're listening back on the audio podcast, be sure to give us a review and subscribe on the platform. You're listening on. We'll be back next week, guys, so stay safe and stay well. Thanks for listening and watching.